0: what is up good afternoon east coast good morning west coast we are back episode 90 of football life presents the audible i am your host randy hammond in a cold upstate new york setting joined by someone who's probably perfectly comfortable in the atmosphere and the uh, temperature that he's at over there in arizona matt bushnell good to see you how you doing
1: I'm doing pretty good, Randy. I, I would say it's a little cold here, but, you know, that'd be kind of like, it was cold last week, I'll admit, for Arizona, but now we're hitting the 70s. We hit 74 yesterday, so we, we, we're getting a little better.
0: Yeah, we are months away from 74 degrees here in <laughs> New York. I believe it is a uh, it is a mild 4 degrees up here right now, so uh, the single dishes, <laughs> probably not getting out of that anytime soon. Uh and, uh, and Matt, you know what? We did it. This is the regular season is fully in the books. The playoffs are upon us and boy, oh boy, it was quite the week 18, a first ever week 18. And really there were just three playoff uh, spots for grabs. The rest of the games were seeding based. There were truly only two games that meant nothing to anybody. uh, And those involved our teams, of course. So (laughs) go figure. (laughs) Um, So we're not going to talk about all the games like we typically do on our Tuesday recap show. We're going to talk about the four games that directly impacted the playoffs the most. We're going to start with Sunday night football, and it is the AFC Whoa, West. Hold on,
1: hold on, hold on, uh, Randy! You forgot the top of the show, episode
0: okay. ninety. A, sorry, sorry, episode ninety. You're right, you're right. To get us going in here, number ninety. Hey, we're in the nineties now. These are great pass rush numbers, defensive linemen, linebackers. Um, so ninety is a good number, Matt Bushnell. I'm sure you got a good one for us.
1: Absolutely, sure, sure. First ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt, an impact player, Julius Peppers. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Love him. Oh, man. So good. So good. Uh, You know, just to stick with the Giants, I will go Jason Pierre Paul, um, two time Super Bowl champion. You know, obviously is coming off his championship with the Bucks and in the playoffs now. And then uh, I'll say it now as a little foreshadowing for the show, because we're going to give out some regular season awards. The 2021 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, T.J. Watt. Yeah, there you go number 90 now we're going to get into it matt bush i sorry for jumping the gun there you know i get excited It's just so much fun to talk about because this game was un- unreal almost like it's just hard to believe the circumstances we found ourselves in come sunday night football here's the t- here's the deal winning in for both of these teams but you yeah. had the added element of things that happened beforehand that if these two teams tied they would both make the, po- the both make the postseason here we are in overtime, 32-32, to 32, the clock ticking down. And then it was admitted after the fact the Raiders were going to let the clock expire. I mean, you take that for what you will. And then Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, calls a timeout to get his defense situated. It uh, appears to be the change in thought process for the Raiders. They bring on Daniel Carlson, who kicked five field goals in this game, including the game winner in overtime to send the Las Vegas Raiders into the playoffs as a wild card. This whole game was bonkers. Justin Herber is unreal. Derek Carr, everyone was playing for their seasons and it showed. I love this game. Love that they put it on prime time, right where it needed to be, but some questionable decision-making uh, decisions at the end there, Matt. But do you, I mean, do you really criticize Staley there? Because I think in his mind, he was like, let's get my defense settled and uh, let's not win that way. I, I kind of get this, his argument, but at the same time, you had a chance at the postseason too. I have a lot
1: of issues with Staley in this game, period. Um, going yeah. forward on fourth down inside your own 30, um, I, I, I don't care what down it is. Like, I, I get the ultra you know aggressive nature, and that's who he's been all year but that's dumb. You know, you gave the Raiders three points right there. I think they actually scored a touchdown on that drive, but maybe it was a field goal. Um, I just, I, I cannot for the life of me just understand the thought process behind that. It's, it, it's hard when you take a look at it. Done um, the timeout to end the game in overtime. Why? You, know, you, you don't have the right personnel. That's fine. I don't think the Raiders were trying to get the field goal personnel on the field at that time. And then, you know, it's take Passaccia for his word or Carr who said that, you know, they were just going to, they were okay with ending in a tie because they wanted to go to the playoffs. Right. Um, You know, to me though, what I, I, I have to tip my hat to the collective calmness of Justin Herbert on that final drive. They had fourth and 10 three times and converted all three times. They converted fourth down six times on that final drive, which is just an absurd number. Um, when it's fourth and 10, or, or I think it was like fourth and 10 or something like that, and they scored the touchdown to force overtime, that was bonkers because that wasn't an easy throw, and Herbert just threaded the needle. So when you look at quarterbacks, and you see the echelon, the the AFC West is loaded. (laughs) If the Broncos can somehow get Deshaun Sean Watson, um, holy hell, that is the Mecca (laughs) of quarterbacks in that division, where Derek Carr might be the worst one, and he would be the best one in a lot of other divisions. It's just nuts. And to me, this game is everything that the NFL could have hoped for and more. It was so great. And to me, and I'm just gonna, I, I know we're gonna go over it a little bit later, but you cannot fire Rich Bisaccia. You, you cannot do it. What he has done with this Raiders team, and when we get to our awards segment, I have a little bit of a shock in there. But this guy has earned everything, and no one can dispute that he should come back. He has earned this head coaching position. You want to try out? You you want to see what a guy what you have in the building? This guy's the goods.
0: You're right, man. I agree. Uh, The team's clearly rallied around him. Uh, I think Derek Carr has a ton to do with that as well. Uh, I think the leadership at the quarterback position is everything, Uh, and especially for the Raiders. um, I I can't imagine where they would be without Carr. Uh, His numbers in this game don't exactly do it justice. He's just 20 of 36 for 186 yards and two touchdowns. But the one touchdown to Renfro in the first quarter really kind of established what was going to go on here. And then I thought they did a great job of mixing run and pass because they had 26 carries for Josh Jacobs alone, who had 132 yards on the ground. The Chiefs, uh, the Chargers defense, man, just, they could could not get a single stop in this game. And and Herbert needed to be everything that he was, and honestly, probably better. Uh, The one turnover probably was the difference, but... You, you, the, Staley, the Staley thing is interesting because I, I appreciate his mindset to continuously go for it on those fourth downs because I, I, I appreciate aggressiveness because I have a, a head coach <laughs> on my team who preaches it and doesn't actually follow through with it. So I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, to not understand that situation, because the Raiders truly had nothing to lose in that spot. Well, so they, they could run the ball, run the ball. And if they're not close enough, OK, tie, tie game, whatever. We're in the playoffs regardless. Now, you want your rival in the division to make the playoffs in the Chargers? I mean, are they really bad, big rivals? That's the other conversation <laughs> that we can have here. They go back a long ways. The Chargers have lost the Raiders on several yep. occasions in the postseason. season. Uh, so I would have just like not helped my rival in that case. But if you believe the Raiders side of things, the charters had a playoff spot locked up and then we wouldn't have had to watch the, <laughs> the garbage Steelers. We're going <laughs> to talk about in a second, but that's my frustration with the whole thing is that they had a chance and they sort of got in their own way more than anything. And, and that bothers me. and, and Herbert's uh, – I don't know if you saw it on the sideline. Herbert clearly mouthed, I never wanted a tie so bad in my life. Yeah. I think he was speaking for all of America at that point <laughs> in time. We all wanted a tie because maybe not the NFL. I don't know how they would feel about their last regular season game ending in a tie, but it would have been fun to make fun of Steelers fans at the very yeah, end. Yeah,
1: well, and, and Henry, who's under the moniker of life group difference, says – um, they would have gotten the Chiefs, the Raiders. Yes, and that's why my biggest winner of yeah. the weekend is the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, you get the dilapidated Pittsburgh Steelers, which uh, that game is going to be brutal to watch. But just to talk about the Chargers for a second, Randy, they, the, the schematics of their defense was really interesting in this game because you could tell they were so worried about Josh Jacobs. And I'll say this, that's the best Josh Jacobs has looked since his rookie year. Yeah. I mean, if this is the Josh Jacobs – that is going to play against um but i've drawn a blank here um it's not god all right so we got patch bills i know we got steelers versus chiefs who won the other division
0: in the afc the titans
1: and no it's the titans chiefs bills and i'm forgetting a division winner oh the Bengals. So we get Raiders Bengals, which is right. going to be a hell of a matchup in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And if Josh Jacobs plays the way he did that, you know, against the chargers against the Bengals, that's going to be a really good matchup. But to me, when, when you watch the Chargers defense, they, they wanted to play back with the safeties, but they couldn't, they had to bring everybody up within 10 yards and that really opened up the passing game. If, if the Raiders just had a deep threat and I know people may say Deshaun Jackson or you know a couple of other names. They don't have that true number one wide receiver now on their team. Darren Waller, you know, kind of looked like a shell of himself a little bit, so he needs to knock off a lot of that rust. But if they get a guy that can really stretch those defenses, and you get Josh Jacobs running, you know, the Chargers experienced half of that equation with Josh Jacobs, which caused them to be gashed by Hunter Renfro and a lot of those deeper passes to get behind the safeties. Um, and Collinsworth brought up a good point. If the Raiders ever just pulled a double move in that game, the Chargers were toast. It was going to the house for six. Yep. And they just were never able to pull that off. They never called play action. So to me, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, Staley's going to have to answer a lot of questions. Um, I, I think the Chiefs game is a game that you have to circle and you have to ask some questions about that one. You need to ask some questions about this one. You don't want to take away the fourth down aggressiveness, all the, you know, when it makes sense, but like Corey pointed to like, he's just going analytical based football doesn't lend itself to analytics, you know, as much as a sport like baseball would, because there's a lot of ebbs and flows in football. One play changes everything Mm -hmm. and you could throw the analytics out the window so to me, I think Staley needs to answer some questions and really get this situation under control because you cannot do this.
0: Well, the Chargers are going to have to ramp up their defensive side of the ball as well. I think the talent uh, has, they have some talent in some spaces, but they really need some, some more upfront to help out some to Joey Bosa and to, uh, Their secondary outside of Derwin and James is questionable, so they they really do need to add some defensive talent. And Staley was a defensive coordinator, so I also need him to do a better job uh, at coaching them up. Because man, oh man, they are not in right situation, not in right positions uh, at the right time, and they just look lost too often. So the Chargers also probably kicking themselves for the loss to the Houston Texans, which just happened a couple weeks ago. So they yep. they don't lose to the Texans, they probably are in the playoffs. So the, you know the Chargers. They're always going to have this stick about them, this what-if thing with them. Yeah. and You know, it is what it is now with them. Uh, and for the Raiders, congratulations, 10-7. and seven. Unbelievable that we're still here with them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this, this is a thing. So uh, good for the Raiders. Happy for Carr and Rich Pisaccia and Max Crosby and the rest of the guys there. And that that's the first game of next weekend, which we're going to get to the playoff bracket at some point. But, uh, yeah, it should be a good one for them. And the reason, Matt, that this game needed to end in a tie for both teams to make it is because of what happened earlier in the day. So let's talk about some of these games, if I can just find the box score for it really quickly. Um, But the main real one, let's just get it out of the way. The Steelers hanging on and coming back and and barely beating the Ravens in overtime. This game Uh, sucked. What's that? This game sucked. Yeah, this is a tough watch. No Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley back in this game. Um, A couple of confusing um, T.J. Watt moments where you thought he might have had the record and then he didn't have the record. and He had a couple of half sacks that they got taken back on penalties. So uh, if you're watching this game only to see what T.J. Watt did, he tied michael strahan's record after a sack got taken away and got called a tackle for loss and then after a half a sack between him and kim hayward uh was taken away due to a penalty so he gets one sack a huge sack by the way that was ending up uh, that ended up being a forced fumble i believe uh of tyler huntley and then it's the steelers in overtime they win at 16 to 13 they gave themselves a chance to be in it so they won this game, not knowing what their future held. If the Raiders and Chargers had tied, the Steelers would have been eliminated. But Big Ben gets to live to play another day because of what Brandon Staley did at the end of that game because of what the Chargers defense was unable to do. So this was a very weird dynamic watching this because they also needed more help in another game that we're going to talk about after this. But let's just talk about the Steelers. They are a tough watch, Matt Bushnell. We know this. We've said this all year long. They're 9-7-1. and And somehow, some way, they have found themselves into the postseason. But in this game, Ben Roethlisberger, 30 of 44 for 244 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Not bad numbers at the surface, but I really feel like he struggled mightily in this game because he's old and he can't move. And oftentimes his arm is inconsistent. So I don't really know what to make of the guy. Um, But – You had some big plays by Claypool and by um, Deontay Johnson late in this game that really got the Steelers down the field. Um, And then the mix between – it was Snell who got the bulk of the carries because of Harris. I think they just were – Managing his load, I'm not really 100 sure if he was injured, um but they couldn't even get the ground game going as much as they would have liked to. But this game was so bad <laughs> that it was three three at halftime, uh, and it went into overtime and still finished just 16 to 13. um Matt, I don't know what else to say. The Ravens lost, finished the season losing six in a row, and clearly, clearly too banged up, and and tried to spoil the Steelers' season, but ultimately it was not enough.
1: Yeah, I think when you took a look at this game, it's It was a hard watch for me, Randy. Like I I tried to tune in and then you see the score and then you start watching Big Ben. It's a corpse out there playing quarterback. Um, I think at one point he had 13 passes for 60 something yards. And it was just like, it, it was bad. You know, there's no arm strength there. There's no oomph there. You see, he got warmed up. But to me, the Ravens are just a ravaged unit. You know, you watch this defense. They didn't have the bodies that they would have had you know, if not for all the injuries. So to me, it it was hard to watch a team. The Ravens have some questions to answer in the off season, but Pittsburgh, they made it in by the skin of their teeth because of, you know, not the tie, you know, they did, you know, the tie didn't happen, but this game just wasn't, I I hate watching it. You know, I I tuned into parts of it and then I just turned it off because I turned it into overtime and I'm like, Jesus Christ, they're going to make the playoffs. And lo and behold, they do, but they, they, they draw the Chiefs and it's, you yeah, know, it's getting dark fast as they would say for Pittsburgh. So I don't have much to say. Big Ben goes out, makes the playoffs this year. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't know how else you can end this career. You know, he, they're not winning the Super Bowl, So let's not get confused with that. So looks like they're one and done in the playoffs, in my opinion, and we'll get to that later, but I just, I don't know, Randy, just luck, you know, lucky bastards.
0: Yeah. This game is horrible to watch. Uh, All you need to know is that the Steelers won and that they, they took care of what they needed to take care of. Um, But while that game is going on, they needed massive amounts of help from the team with the number one overall pick in the draft. So you're thinking, well, you know, we're, we're screwed anyway. It's not going to happen for us. And, you know, good season way, way way to go, Ben great career. But then, No, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars decided, you know, we're going to throw you guys a bone. We're going to play the best game of our season against the hated Colts. And all the Colts had to do was win it in and the Steelers essentially were done. But no, the Jags, I Trevor Lawrence started this game 12 of 12, I believe, by far the best games ever played. He went 23 or 32, 223 yards two touchdowns, no picks. This is what I was talking about with Trevor Lawrence. This is what we needed to see, um, and the Colts clearly, clearly did not look like they wanted to be there. They laid an absolute egg with their season on the line, and it starts and begin, uh, starts and ends to me with the quarterback. Carson Wentz, 17-29, to 29, 185 yards, a touchdown and a pick. The Jags' focus was clearly on Jonathan Taylor who had 15 for 77, um, and then you don't have a quarterback who can make a play to get you back into this game. Uh, I I, I'm, I'm very disappointed because I thought the Colts were going to be a team that were going to be very difficult to play in the playoffs, and now they find themselves not there. That stunner of the weekend, I said I thought the Jags might cover. I didn't have any sense to think that they were actually going to win this game.
1: Uh, and, you know, w- what a way for the rookie quarterback class, you know, to end the regular season with Trevor Lawrence looking like the best rookie on the field. Like to tre- Trevor Lawrence really shut up and now you start feeling good about going into 2022 season with Trevor Lawrence like you wanted to see this game and they got it. So that feels good about it. If you're the Colts, yeah, your first pick is going to Philly um, and you had to watch your quarterback out there throw up a QBR of 4.4 and for those yeah. who do not know the QBR rating the scale goes from 100s being the best 50 is average. So, like, your barometer to be an average NFL quarterback is 50. Carson Wentz was a 4.4 in the biggest game of their year. And it feels like to me, Randy, every big game that Carson Wentz had to win, they didn't win. Like, he wasn't the reason. It was Jonathan Taylor. And as a man, I give props to Jacksonville's defense because they shut Jonathan Taylor down. Mm -hmm. They they said, you are not going to be the guy to beat us. We're not going to let you in the end zone. So I I do have to give a lot of credit to Jacksonville's defense. Bravo, what they were able to do against the Colts. But man, when you need a win and you start seeing who's the guys that you need, Carson Wentz has never been that dude. Um, Without Nick Fultz, I don't think they win that Super Bowl. I'll be honest with you. I don't think Carson Wentz wins that Super Bowl. I think they make it there. I
0: don't think they make it there.
1: Exactly. I, you know, it it takes a special player under the toughest of circumstances and a guy named Big Thick Nick to get the job done. And he got it done. And Carson Wentz couldn't get it done today. He couldn't get it done in other games. And it's been the Jonathan Taylor show. And this team desperately needs a superstar quarterback if they're ever going to win a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, and and Frank Reich said today that they will not commit to Carson Wentz uh, in the 2022 season. So we'll see what happens in Indianapolis. But you got to have a bad taste in your mouth because he gets COVID, misses a whole week of practice, gets cleared the day of, loses at home to the Raiders, which makes this a must-win game, and all the pressure on the Colts ultimately not enough. And you know maybe you don't lose uh, both games. To uh, the Titans next time. Maybe you win a big game at home against the Bucks. You know, you have to win games throughout the year to put yourself in situations to avoid this. Um, and even when you are in this situation, the Jags, are, the Jags coming in this game are two and fourteen. You can't lose to the two and fourteen Jags with your season on the line. You just can't do it. it it's not okay. Not acceptable. And you know the Colts. You know, they, this is why they started one and five, right? I mean, th- this is kind of who they were, and they, they were capable of beating a lot of teams. They're also capable of losing to a lot of teams. And here they are, uh, watching the postseason like the rest of us. Now, that's the AFC, right? All all the playoff, uh, Matt, all the playoff spots have been determined in the AFC. Yep just just one up for grabs in the NFC, Matt Bushnell. Um, this is where <laughs> our friend Henry is going to like this segment because uh, you had the Rams versus the Niners, and if the Niners won, they were in. And if they didn't win and the saints had a chance to get in, those are really the only two teams with the chance to make the postseason. season. Um, and, you know, the saints won. Okay. So they, they're, they're hoping that the Rams uh, really care about their seating and, and, and win. So the Rams at one point up, I believe 10 in this game over the Niners. Um, but ultimately it was not enough because Jimmy G had a legacy drive in the fourth <laughs> quarter and in overtime. I, I could not believe my eyes when I watched this, but <laughs> I think it was, they were down a, a touchdown and Jimmy Garoppolo Garoppolo uh, drives down the field and uh, he hits Debo. He hits uh, Brandon Ayuk And then eventually they score the touchdown to tie the game to force overtime. And then in overtime, Garoppolo leads a field goal drive for the win. And then Stafford uh, I think was picked off to end this game, right? Do I remember this correctly? Uh, I feel like I yeah. saw details. Yeah, So yeah, was picked off the Niners have won six in a row over the Rams and have clinched the NFC playoff spot that they were hoping for. Um, and you know, I had my, I had doubts about this game, but as soon as this game totally shifted, and it has nothing to do with really with McVay, but McVay at one point went into the end zone to celebrate a Tyler Higby touchdown mm-hmm. And at that point on, it was all Niners. I think they outscored, uh, the Rams 24 to three at some point after that. So, uh, Good for the Niners. Like I'd rather have the Niners in the postseason than the Saints. They're much more watchable, much more entertaining, uh, and and they get a good matchup next weekend as well. Um, But you know, I think the Niners can make some move, uh, make make some noise here in the playoffs. They run the ball really well. Mitchell's had a great year. They have playmakers. Iu Debo, who I have been critical of, but he's just a overall playmaker he had eight carries for 45 yards of the touchdown in this game and then added four catches for 95 yards so however way you get the ball in his hands he seems to make plays so that's yep. great and then obviously you know me I'm a Kittle guy the Kittle this game goes as far as Kittle takes them who I don't think played too well in this game but ultimately it was good enough for the Niners to get the job done we're getting Sanford in the playoffs after all at 10 and 7 Matt Bushwell.
1: Yeah, well, and Debo also threw a touchdown pass. So I guess I
0: forgot that. You're right.
1: Yep. So, I mean, Debo did it all this game. He, you know, he did everything he could possibly do to win this game for the 49ers, more so than Jimmy G, in, in my personal opinion. Um, Jawan Jennings, really a nice showing out of him, a guy that runs physical, runs really nice, crisp routes. So you got to feel pretty good if you're a 49ers fan. Going into this week, um, they get Dallas which for me is an absolute treat, but I just have to go back and I take a look at the Rams and Matthew Stafford does what Matthew Stafford does all the time. And that is when it comes to making a big moment, he just always shrinks. He's he's never that guy uh, in quarters, one through three, I'll say fantastic. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but, but when it comes time, when it's crunch time, it's like, where are you, Matthew? And he's not there. So that bothers me. And the Rams, to me, are just like a lot of bravado. I, I don't see a lot of substance behind it. You know, they're a good football team. Every Everyone thinks they're great. But at some point, you know, it's I'm tired of the talk about this team, Randy. I'm just tired of it. You know, I want to see Aaron Donald. I know he's double and triple teamed. But if that's the best that we're going to get from Aaron Donald, I don't think this team goes very far. Donald's got to get some sacks because obviously Floyd's not good enough to get pressure on his own. You can pretty much neutralize Jalen Ramsey if you just avoid him. So to me, there's a lot of things with this Rams team that I do not love. And Cam Akers came back, so that was nice for this team. But, man, just the, the force feeding of OBJ, not saying it's his fault, but you got to play within the offense. If you're Matthew Stafford, it's a Matthew Stafford issue, not an OBJ issue. You know, when you start trying to force the issue here, take what the defense gives you sometimes. And uh, some of these quarterbacks fall in love with their arm way too much. And then that's when you start running into trouble. Um, As far as the 49ers go um, hat tip to Kyle Shanahan for really riding the ship, because this team was left for dead seven weeks ago. that Then they get that big win against the Bears, and now they start going on a streak. And it all started with Debo. And then you take a look at that defense, that defense really showed up to really limit the Rams in that uh, second half. You know, being down by the points that they were, Sean McVay is celebrating, I think it's stuck in their craw a little bit. And you have to be happy with them. So to me, I think it's two teams heading in different directions. Now the Rams got an interesting matchup. So do the 49ers. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the next week plays out.
0: You know, I actually, um, kind of do blame Odell a little bit in this game only because, uh, the, the one, okay. The one interception where Stafford just chucked it down the field. I don't blame him for, um, but I do, I, I expect him to compete a little bit more for that ball. Uh, I want you out there. Like I, I, You're an elite guy, in my opinion. So therefore you should be able to make these plays when it's not exactly um, perfect. You know, when you're an elite receiver, you make things have to make it easier for your quarterback. And for me, he didn't do that uh, in this situation. So a little bit of criticism for Odell on, on his part, but <laughs> for the most part, yes, yeah, Stafford has to play better overall. So uh the rams ultimately it didn't matter too much they still make the playoffs and they still um or it, it was just a seeding game for them it would have been nice to knock out your rival i would yeah. say um but when now the playoffs are set matt bushnell if you allow me to share my screen i don't think uh, oh uh, yeah my
1: apologies
0: if you give me permission i will share the playoff bracket for you uh wild a super wild card weekend all
1: right feel wow. free
0: all right, let's do it. It's been a while since we've showed you some graphics. Here you go. Uh, I have the, the Super Wild Card Weekend on tap for us, which I'll share this more on our Thursday show when we make our predictions and we go through the gambling lines and everything like that. But this is it. The regular season officially done. We don't have to talk about our crappy teams anymore. And these are all the teams with a chance to make the Super Bowl, Matt. Um, now, we're going to preview, obviously, all of this on our Thursday show. But just looking at the lineup here for this upcoming Wild Super Wild Card Weekend, what intrigues you the most?
1: Um, I, I I want to see Pats and Bills again. I you know all these matchups really intrigue me a lot for various different reasons, and all of them have great storylines. So you know I I like all of them, Randy. I want to watch all these games because you get the Raiders at the Bengals. You have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase going against Derek Carr, the improbable Raiders, and with John Madden passing away this year, it just almost feels like it's poetic that this is what the Raiders have to go through to get to the mountaintop not saying they will but I'm excited I'm pumped for that one and then we get Pats and Bills on the same day I I love that thank you so much for this Saturday which is going to feature great games Pats Bills rivalry built in there and then you get the Eagles versus the Buccaneers the last team to beat Brady in the Super Bowl was the Eagles so you got a revenge factor in here. This is going to be a great game. And anybody that knows the history of football knows the rivalry of the 49ers and the Cowboys from the late to, oh, I should say, the early to mid-80s-ish and the early 90s, where these teams constantly squared off. They It was always America's Game of the Week. Fantastic matchup. And now we get to see this again when both teams are good. I am so looking forward to it. And it's, of course, on the Nickelodeon. So someone's going to get slimed <laughs> in the end zone. And Mitch Trubisky will have to hand over his trophy of the most or the MVP.
0: The MVP. Uh,
1: the MVP, that's
0: right. The Nickelodeon valuable player.
1: And then Pittsburgh's and most... Chiefs. Th- th- this game I'm not looking forward to at all because I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Chiefs up. But it's a nice way to finish your Sunday with a blowout. Go to bed a little bit early after you catch the first half. It should be like 100 to nothing by then. So, I look forward to that one. And, and then we get Cardinals Rams, a divisional matchup. C- can the Cardinals buck McVeigh? C- can they do this? Is this the year for the Cardinals? Can McVeigh show that he can have success? You know, can they get off this snide that they're on? Are they a better team? So, I'm just thrilled with all these matchups.
0: Yeah, I'm noticing this must have been the NBC graphic before Sunday night because yeah. it still has um, Vegas or the Chargers on here and potentially Pittsburgh. But we know the matchups now It will be Vegas at Cincy and then it will be the Patriots at the Bills and it will be the Steelers at the Chiefs. Now, I'm looking at the Steelers at the Chiefs to be the game I'm most interested in betting because, <laughs> as you I don't know if you noticed, the mobile sports gambling is now illegal in New York State. So uh, I'm looking at for the, the team that I'm just all in on and it's the Chiefs this week they just saw them demolish the Steelers a couple weeks ago I expect more of the same In Arrowhead And you know You always win these Wildcard weekends I try to locate the weak spot For years it was Andy Dalton Like who Where's Andy Dalton playing Well, who, who are the Bengals yeah. playing <laughs> You knew that You weren't <laughs> going to bet on them You could bet against them This year it's the Steelers It has been Roethlisberger Love that um, I'm a sucker for all time Uniform matchups The Niners The Cowboys yeah, it's okay. Classic I love it The only thing that sucks Is that we'll be Nickelodeon Hey I liked that broadcast last year It was entertaining um, For a, a traditional matchup like this one i would i would like it to be on a regular broadcast but well uh, it's on cbs,
1: sure... CBS. It, it, it's on cbs oh it is on cbs okay so yep. it's small
0: Gotcha, it. gotcha. i don't have to watch on nickelodeon and that's good uh but the kids i'm sure will enjoy it they'll get a nice history lesson in the name of football <laughs> so Really looking forward to this, and we're going to break down all of these games on our Thursday show. As I said, we're going to give you the lines, we're going to preview each individual matchup. Very much excited for that. Uh, I can't believe it's finally here, Matt Bolish. Super wild card weekend, one of the best weekends of the year. You know who's not looking forward to this is my fiance, whose birthday is on Sunday. Oh, uh, who, <laughs> we, should, we might be stuck watching football all day, just saying. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's the matchups, man. We're gonna, I can't wait to preview those with you on uh, Thursday, and I'll get the right graphic up that has the right matchups when I do that. Uh just because you know we're all about staying up to date here on the show. But before we get into we were going to do awards but Matt, you pointed out I'm a bad rundown maker um and we had news to talk about. And you know we're we're happy all the playoffs are set and all of this. That's great. But these teams that did not make the postseason are making wholesale changes. So we need to talk about some coaches and GMs that have been fired. Now, to this point, there are some not-so-surprises, and there are some surprises. Um, obviously, John Gruden was resigned in the middle of the season. Urban Meyer was fired in the middle of the season. But on Black Monday slash Sunday, there have been changes. Because the Broncos played Saturday, it came out that they were be removing Vic Fangio from his head coach job with the Denver Broncos. And then uh, after their game Sunday, I think or maybe early Monday, it came out the Vikings were firing both their general manager and head coach Mike Zimmer. And then the same thing came out for your Chicago Bears who are firing Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, the general manager um, in Giants World, who not so surprising news. Dave Gettleman finally out of my life. He announced that he would be retiring. I hate that he was even given the option. He should have been fired a month ago. And more surprising news, it appears Joe Judge has a job uh, and the Giants GM search is basically narrowed down to people who want to work with Joe Judge. Uh, Totally hate that decision, but we can talk about that another time. Uh, But the most shocking one of yesterday, Matt Bushnell, uh, was that the Miami Dolphins have fired Brian Flores, who has been a, a great coach for them, obviously barely missing the playoffs each of the last two seasons but he has a winning record three years in. Uh, he took a Miami team that was totally just a disaster, made them go 5-11, and 11, then it was 10-6 and six last year, and then it was 9-8 and eight this year. I don't understand this move. Maybe the Dolphins have just come so used to firing a coach every three years that they're just firing this one even though he's a good one. doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Matt, so your thoughts on the Flores decision and, and the rest of the transactions that happened yesterday?
1: Yeah, so I was listening to Florio a little bit yesterday and today. And Mike Florio is a great source. He's, he has a lot of connections within the NFL. And apparently with the Dolphins and you start digging in. So yesterday a story came out that Brian Flores was hard to deal with, had the most assistant coaching turnover in the NFL, um, really didn't get along with Tua and that, you know, the quarterback room in itself. But then you hear Florio talk about uh, that Stephen Ross is an absentee owner. And this was basically a hit job by the president and by the GM. They didn't want Brian Flores there anymore. Even though the product on the field was, you know, building to it, the roster wasn't fantastic. Um, The quarterback room wasn't great. Um, They went over his head. Um, Brian Flores originally wanted Justin Herbert. The, The owner and all of them decided, well, we're gonna go Tua, we want Tua. So that's the route that they went. So there was some disagreements there and it just bubbled to the surface. And now they're trying to slander Brian Flores at this point, which I think is completely ridiculous at this point. That guy is a great coach beating Bill Belichick once every year. Sign me up for that because that dude can flat out coach his ass off. So to me, that is a huge, huge mistake on the Dolphins part. Also listening to Florio about Joe Judge's situation in New York. Um, it really is confusing that they let Dave Gettleman retire, you know, essentially, they didn't want to fire him. And Florio's hearing through a lot of league circles that it's not about that the Giants want or don't want to keep these guys is that they don't want to be the ones to fire them. They don't want to have that on their hands. And they really like Joe Judge. So right now with the Giants GM search, they are looking for guys and anyone that says they do not want Joe Judge would no longer be considered for the GM job. So that's what's going on in league circles. Joe Judge is more than expected to stay with the Giants next year. When it comes to the Chicago Bears, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, I think we kind of expected it. You know, we talked about during the draft show, um, how the hell you let them move draft capital to get up to Justin Fields. And look, I, I think we have a lot of questions about Justin Fields, justifiably so, but he still makes Chicago, along with being a charter franchise, an attractive job. And the fact that they, you know, to get the best possible head coach, you almost had to fire uh, Ryan Pace. They are talking to a lot of guys. Brian Flores is going to Chicago, and he will be interviewing with them in the next day or two. Now, keep in mind, what the Bears have been doing, and this is pure speculation, what I'm seeing on Twitter, is that they are doing a lot of Zoom interviews with everybody. Flores is getting an in-person interview So to me, that looks extremely promising. I love that. But the Bears are casting a wide net. Right now, I believe the GM search is up to seven candidates. The head coaching search is, I believe, at 13 or 14 now. So they have a lot of requests out there. They have a lot of interviews set up. So they're moving along with that. So I'm not surprised with that. Denver and Fangio, I I think we saw it coming, Randy. You know, it's, it's a really good roster outside of the quarterback position. And if you can land a guy like Deshaun Watson, maybe that makes it more appealing. But to me, this is a good job. If you find the right guy, I don't think we were surprised by it. And someone's going to get them a hell of a defensive coordinator in Fangio. I think he's one of the best in the business. Then we move on to um, Minnesota shocked by Rick Spielman getting fired, not Mm -hmm. shocked by Mike Zimmer. I think you saw the Vikings. I think that was needed, but Rick Spielman was kind of shocking. Mm -hmm. So I think some of these were expected, some of them not so much.
0: Matt Nagy's gonna get a job as an offensive coordinator somewhere. Would not shock me if it's for the Giants, um, who <laughs> have been just an absolute joke uh offensively for the last six weeks, really all season, but you know, for another level of incompetent uh for the last six weeks. My issue with the the Giants situation is pretty much the same issue I had before, is that uh they don't want to appear dysfunctional. Well, you know, why don't you read a paper or uh, watch your football team because you're dysfunctional. (laughs) Just accept it at this point they uh, they're making the same mistake they made before that they made with Eli. Basically. Yeah. We're moving on from Jerry Reese and the head coach. We're only going to bring in a GM and a head coach that wants to work with Eli Manning. Now you're doing the same thing with Joe judge. It's a big mistake. This guy is unhinged. He is clearly in over his head. I can't believe you're giving him another opportunity. Now, If they somehow hire a GM and they fire Joe Judge, that's great. But even then, you're still putting yourself behind the eight ball when all of these head coaching candidates are out there right now. All of them are going to have a job. Right now, we're looking at the Dolphins, the Bears, the Vikings, the Broncos, the Jags, maybe the Raiders. But if you say Rich Pisaccia should be back, then, you know, maybe not the Raiders. But still, Brian Flores should be getting an interview. Like, the fact that the Panthers and Giants are just sitting there with their garbage head coaches while Brian Flores is out there is a joke. <laughs> what does Matt Rule and uh, show Judge Dunn to warrant a job over Brian Flores? It's just it's not possible. Um, the other thing, the elephant in the room, Matt, that you know we haven't touched on is that when the Dolphins fired Flores yesterday, all the rumors came out said so Stephen Ross is a huge booster for the Michigan uh, football program. Yep. Now that they're, they're immediately ties to Jim Harbaugh. Perhaps he'd be interested in Miami or coming back to the NFL as a whole. Uh, since that, we've seen that the, maybe Harbaugh is getting a raise to stay in Michigan for life, right? He's probably not coming back to the NFL.
1: Yeah, I, everything that I've been hearing is that Harbaugh is only talking to one team at the current time, and that's the Bears, um, that hasn't been confirmed by anybody reliable, but some insiders on the bears who have gotten things right in the past quite a bit have said that Harbaugh is definitely talking with the bears, but more it's like angling from Michigan. He talked to Michigan yesterday. This was confirmed by, um, I believe, uh, Tom Pelissero I'll have to double check that, but Harbaugh was talking to Michigan yesterday about a contract extension and to get more money. Now, I'm not sure that's going to be used as leverage to get the best deal possible, but from my perspective, if I'm Harbaugh, all right, you have the Bears out there. And it's like, do you really want to work under that ownership group with that disastrous of a press conference last year? Um, let's say the Giants job opens up for, you know, wh- whatever reason, do you really want to work under that situation? Whereas you work in Michigan right now, um, you have stability, you're basically your own boss, you run the show at Michigan, And you're going to get paid a lot of money and you probably have a job for as long as you want it. Now, I know we're going to talk about the national title game last night, Randy, but here's the other side of the coin. Michigan is not going to be what Georgia was this year. Michigan is probably not going to be what Alabama is on their best years. You just can't do that. So you have to look at it like as a competitor, it would probably make more sense for Harbaugh to go to the NFL because he's going to have a better chance to win a championship. College football, I don't see Michigan ever winning a national championship. Not after what I witnessed last night, because that was a different kind of football that I was watching. And Michigan just will never be on that level. Again, it's over with. Uh, You know, all the years have passed, of how great Michigan used to be, it's done. Big 10, maybe. You know, you might be able to win a couple of Big 10 titles. So now it's just like, what is Harbaugh going to do? And he's going to get paid a lot of money to go in the NFL if that's what he wants. And this is the interesting connection. Harbaugh is really close with Jeff Ireland. Jeff Ireland's interviewing for the Bears' GM job. Mm-hmm. But I, I would not be shocked. And I'm just saying this. I There's a slim possibility the Bears end up with Jeff Ireland and Jim Harbaugh.
0: Look, I, I expect, expected Harbaugh to jump after they beat Ohio State. Because to me, that's like that was his goal. He finally did it. He made the playoff. No matter what happened in the playoff to me, he could say, you know what? I beat Ohio state. I'm not going to win a national championship. As you just laid out time for me to jump because that's the peak is beating Ohio state. I know it took longer than he probably would have imagined, but you could see the difference. And we'll talk about the national championship game in just a little bit, but, but Georgia and Alabama and the rest of the ACC are not going anywhere. And I don't see how machine can beat any of those teams. So, uh, I, I actually do think Harbaugh will come back to the NFL. And if it's not this year, it will be eventually. But I think this year is a great chance for it, given the fact that he is a bear and uh, he has highs and uh, that's an attractive job. Now, quick, Matt, before we move on, do you want to do a quick ranking of the available uh, team available openings for head coach, sure. GMs? Because, um, I find it interesting that there's a bunch of openings, but we never talk about, like, what's the sexiest spot. So, like, the Raiders I find very intriguing uh, if they are truly an opening because uh, they're in Las Vegas. They have a great new stadium. Um, they have a quarterback. So that would be great if you have a head coach. But um, so first, okay, let's do head coach – Uh, the teams with the head coach opening first and then the GM opening because I think they're different rankings for different reasons. So head coach rankings, number. do uh, so you want to go from worst to best or you want to go from best to worst?
1: Uh, let's go from best to worst because I'm going to have to work through some of
0: this. Yes. So I'm looking at this. I think the best situation, uh, is the playoff team, the Raiders. <laughs> I just think that they have a good core. Uh, obviously they've had success despite their shortcomings. Um, and I, I do think having the quarterback means everything. Um, it, when you look at this list, Matt, who's the best one for you?
1: I, I'm, I'm with you, Randy, and it would be a travesty for Bisaccia to lose his job. I, I don't think he did yeah. anything to warrant losing his job. I think he should keep it. But if that job does open it is the best job on the market.
0: Yeah, I, I think we both agree that Bisaccia deserves an opportunity. But if he doesn't, they don't bring him back, I think the Raiders are at the top of the list. Number two um, is where I start to not really know where to go with here because there's a lot of flaws in a lot of these other openings. Um, but just based on – See, I don't even know really where to go because I think the main reason I liked the Dolphins so much was their head coach, so Mm, I don't think I like him as much without him. So, um, you know what? I'm going to say the other best situation is the Vikings because I think they have a ton of talent already, and I think their division, if Rodgers were to leave, could be one that's uh, winnable for them in the immediate future.
1: Number two, I'm going to be a bit of a homer here, but I'll give reasons why. I'm going to take the Bears as number two, and and the reason why I'm doing it is – in theory, if Roger leaves the division, mm-hmm. Justin Fields could be the best quarterback in that division if he's developed correctly and he reaches that ceiling that, you know, is so high. The second reason is we saw how teams win championships, right? Mm-hmm. Either, you, either you get to the quarterback or, you know, you protect the quarterback and you throw a lot. Having Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn... On, as your bookend pass rushers with Roquan Smith in the middle, you get a guy like a Brian Flores or a defensive-minded head coach. The defense is pretty much already built there for you. Um, the defense played pretty well. We saw what they did against the Giants. They really held their own against Minnesota for a long time. I, I think pass rushing and defense can get you to 500 pretty quickly. The, the Bears are closer to 500. My issue with the Vikings – is that you have Kirk Cousins at quarterback. He had an all-time year, but there's limitations. That defensive line is not good. You, ha- you can't get pressure with the front four. You have to bring added pressure. And that secondary outside of Harrison Smith is not good. You have Justin Jefferson. You have Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. And th- those are three really, really great players. But when this team has to win it all, they fall off a lot. So that's why I put the Bears slightly ahead of the Vikings.
0: So are we flip-flopping here? Because I'll say Bears are three. Are you going to say Vikings are three?
1: Yeah, I'll say the Vikings are three.
0: Yeah, I echo what you say about the Bears—the best defense probably on this list. Uh, young quarterback that obviously needs to be coached up, but needs an offense that he can run. Um, he can't have a guy not really committing to him and, and saying the backup is better. You, you need someone to fully embrace what you have in Justin Fields. So uh, similar thing. Rodgers leads the division. It would not shock me if the Bears were to win, and especially yep. if Fields is coached correctly, the Bears could be uh, there with a quick turnaround. Um, all right. So then four for me. Um, I'm just going to say the Jags <laughs> because I mean, the Jags, they have number one pick in the draft. Uh, they have the number one pick at quarterback from the year before they uh, have some talent on defense, they have some talent on offense too, if they could get healthier uh, overall. Um, I think the prospect of the quarterback is still worth uh, the investment. So uh, I will say the Jags are for, for me. Uh, and then their division is not that good. The Texans are the Titans. I obviously are the one seed in the AFC, but I think that's more conference than it is the Titans and the Colts are just Colts. You know, I don't think you just beat them. You know, they don't strike fear into anyone like way they should, especially uh, as long as they have Carson. Wentz. So uh, ultimately it's a winnable division. If you have the right people around uh, Trevor Lawrence and Lawrence, and he's coached up the right way.
1: Yeah. This part is really where it becomes murky to me as well, because I think, you know, Henry, had the Trent Balky experience in San Francisco, and that guy is a walking disaster. And then Shad Khan, who's so involved, is basically the definition of a meddling owner, has no football background and sticks his nose in a lot of business. But Trevor Lawrence makes it damn appealing. But I'm going to go with the team that's got a lot in the cupboard, and they are in a pretty good place. I'm going with the Broncos here. I think Mm -hmm. Denver's a really good spot. The biggest thing is the quarterback. That, that, that's what they're missing. When you can step in there and you have um, Javante, the running back, Williams, Javante I think, Williams. Yep. Yep, Javante Williams, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, their offensive line is good. Their defense n- needs some work, I think. The secondary is pretty good. I love Patrick Sertain. I thought he had a really yeah. fabulous rookie year. Great
0: year.
1: Yeah, and the, the Broncos have a lot to offer, but you got to get that quarterback. And what are you going to have to give up to get that quarterback? But if you get a guy like Deshaun Watson, this is the best job. This jumps from four to one by a mile. Oh, yeah. So to me, the Broncos have to get the quarterback. And it's a weak quarterback draft. I don't know if they're going to be able to get it. But if they get Watson, I'm I'm taking everyone down and Broncos are going number one.
0: (laughs) Well, that brings me to six for me, which is the Broncos. And it's less about the Broncos situation itself, which I do think they have talent. Um, But it's also the John Elway aspect of things. Like he has shown that he's not a great general manager and that if you you might be stuck with a bad quarterback in this spot. Um, So that might be because, you know, honestly, Fangio um, had a good defense and then he had a winning record each of the years. But the other aspect of this that I don't like the, the Broncos for is that look around. You have Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert and Derek Carr all in your division, all a better than you and all might be a lot better than you for the next five years. So your competition, and I know these people are competitors and they're not going to just let these teams be better necessarily, but I look around the room and I go, wow, I don't really have a lot of opportunities to win the division and I might be stuck in a, a wild card hunt for a while here. So if you get the show and watch and that changes that obviously, but as currently constructed, I don't love the Broncos job as much as you do.
1: So. What if you have a handshake agreement in place? So if if you get Brian Flores, or let's just say put Deshaun Watson on the Broncos right now, where does that job rank for you? Oh, it's one, one, yeah, because Watson might be the best quarterback in that division. I I know we talk about Mahomes, but I I have Watson ahead of Justin Herbert currently. I think Justin Herbert, with Watson being out, it kind of hurts but just based off what Watson's done, I think Watson's a superstar mega quarterback and makes that job very appealing. So I guess it's, um, my next opening and it's, I guess I'm going to go Miami, um, with all the drama that's happened and you fired a good coach that should have never been fired in the first place. I think they were trending in the right direction. I like Miami a lot. Um, so I'll put Miami there. I, I don't love a lot. I think the defense was made better by Flores. Offensively, they have some stuff there, but I just don't think it's a great job at this point if you have to deal with that GM and that owner at this point.
0: Yeah, you're right. And that's why the Dolphins are the least attractive head coach job to me be, uh, because I, I think they were very well coached. And I think that the main reason that they were so competitive and they were able to start one at seven and then win seven in a row and then uh, have a chance at the playoffs was because they had Brian Flores. Because when he had – uh, Jacoby Brissett starting four games for them in the middle of the season. He didn't give up, and he didn't let his players give up, and they they fought for him. And I think that matters. Uh, they have a good secondary, yes, uh, but they have a Jalen Waddle who I absolutely love. But is Tua really that good? I think he's kind of mid. I I just think he's very average uh, quarterback in the NFL. I I don't think they have a ton of outstanding talent. I think a lot of it was coached up by Brian Flores. So the Dolphins also have to deal with the Buffalo Bills. They also have to deal with the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, who uh, all, as far as I'm concerned, are in a good spot to develop and get better next year because they have two first-round picks. They have a lot of draft capital. Their young players played decent for them this year. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily just think that the Dolphins are going to be better than them next year. So I really don't like the spot the Dolphins are in right now. Uh, And if you're a coach who wants more than three years of job security, how can you be so sure that you're going to get it there in Miami when you do it? If you did a good job as a Flores and you kept your job, congratulations, but I don't have any belief that that's actually going to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, my last place team is the Jags. And I think Trevor Lawrence makes the job very attractive for a lot of different reasons. But once again, you're dealing with guys like Trent Baalke and Shad Khan, who I just cannot wrap my arms around. Um, you know, it's great that you get to work with Trevor Lawrence. But what else do you have there? I mean, there, there are some pieces there. If you like James Robinson and Chenault Jr. And um, uh, I forget the other guy. But to, to me, this job is just kind of eh. you get the first overall pick. You're probably going to get a pass rusher. Um, because that's the position of need right now, or you can trade it down and get a crap load of picks if someone's willing to trade up, but, you know, Randy, that's the problem with this draft. There's not that quarterback out there that makes you think, my God, I got to move up, and I got to get this quarterback. It's m- maybe Matt Corral. Um, I-, I don't know. I just don't love this draft for quarterbacks. I think there's a lot to be desired, so that kind of hurts Jacksonville. It's, a, you know, it's always great to have the number one pick, but, you know, it's probably going to be Thibodeau or Hutchinson.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, Jacksonville going mean, to have no established culture of success there. So, I think you come in there, you have that sort of expectation on you. So, it'll be interesting to see how that works there. Now, GMs go, Matt. Uh It's the Giants. It's the Vikings. And who else am I missing here? The Bears. The Bears. Those three, right? That's it? Yep. All right, well, I'm going to tell you who's in dead last. It's the New York Giants. <laughs> yeah. uh, any sucker who takes this job willing to commit to Joe Judge is an idiot. Uh, yeah, you have two first-round picks, but somehow the Giants have made two top ten picks unattractive. Congratulations to you. You truly really did the unthinkable. The Giants are bottom uh, bottom five in cap space, I think maybe bottom three in cap space, uh, coming off four and 13 season, an average quarterback, a bad offensive line, a bad defensive line, and overall – overpaid in bad roster and if you're committing to a guy who ran qb sneaks inside of his own five yard line uh to create more space to punt you're an idiot this guy needs to be fired i hope there's another coaching opening at the very least at my life stadium uh and maybe i think there could be one in seattle we'll see what happens there we haven't really heard much from out there but giants by far the worst general manager opening
1: yeah, I'm I'm with you. I when you're basically telling your next GM that they got to keep Joe Judge, why the hell do you want that job to begin with? Yeah, like uh, th- th- there's nothing about this job. Or even like we talked about in our group chat the other day, Randy. Like even if you're told, hey, you know, do do whatever you want with the head coach. Why do I want to step in a situation where my first task is making a decision on the head coach? Right. You know, unless it's hiring the head coach. I don't want to go in there and fire a guy as my first official duty. Do it yourself. Clean up your own damn mess. Yeah, so to me, it, right. it, it, it's a problem. And I wouldn't want the shop. And like you said, for a lot of reasons, a, a roster void of talent, you know, the quarterback situation's not solved. The offensive line, you've you got a couple of players there that might be okay. The defense has got try hard guys, but you know, not a guy where I'm like, oh my God. And then you got that Leonard Williams contract. You got to deal with. I mean, it's just—it's a lot. I wouldn't want to go in there and do that.
0: This reminds me, and I'm not going to get political, but if a president in the past left this country in really terrible, in a terrible situation, and you get elected president. Your, your first four years is basically damage control for the guy before you, before you can really even do anything that you have plans to do. Yeah. Now, this is a – you're coming in after Hurricane Gettleman. You have to clean up <laughs> so much of a mess, and your owners aren't even willing to give you the supplies to clean it all up. <laughs> this is a <laughs> terrible situation. I would never – ever want uh to be that don't want that job and they're gonna have they're casting a wide net because they want someone to agree to it but it would not shock me if kevin abrams eventually is just here take the job because you you'll you'll deal with judge whatever Number two, uh, Minnesota Vikings, you're coming in fresh. You can hire a new head coach. Uh, the team has a lot of talent. Um, I don't like the Kirk Cousins aspect of this. Uh, mainly he makes a ton of guaranteed money and he's not that good. Um, and you still have some work to do overall with the roster construction. So by default, the Bears having a quarterback already in place makes them the most attractive job. And if they hire the right head coach, um, the Bears, you know, a good Bears team, you know, it's hard, Chicago is a great city. And yeah. when the Bears are good... It's, it is getting lit up all over the place so for me by far the bear is the best gm opening
1: yeah i i agree with you with the vikings too because the kurt cousins contract is kind of like a noose around your neck at this point because yeah. if, if you cut them or get rid of them it's 35 million dollars against the cap right there and and that's going to be hard to kind of deal with at that time because it's like okay you know, they talk about Russell Wilson. They talk about the, the cap availability is just not there. It, the, the numbers don't work. So, uh, you know, they drafted Kellen Mond, and now all of a sudden the previous head coach hated him, can't play, didn't play him over Sean Mannion. So th- there's some things there. And then the Bears. So we, we take a look at the Bears situation. They're r- right now, as it stands, they have over 40, about $41 million in cap space. They have a quarterback on a rookie deal. They have their pass rushers in place and they can cut up, you know, players that are probably going to get cut that would put them at about $64 million. Now you have to rebuild the wide receiver room because Allen Robinson's gone and Dar- Darnell Mooney, he just had a thousand yards, I think is a very good number two. He- he's not a one, but he's a really good number two that can help you. And your offensive line, you got to see if these tackles can play, but it goes back to like, you know the Vikings and Bears I I wouldn't be upset if someone flip-flopped them one and two because what your last head coach did was we don't know what Justin Fields is yet you know we have more questions after his rookie season than we did coming out of the draft we don't know if these two rookie tackles can play because Nagy refused to play Tevin Jenkins when he came back and he had to get you know back surgery but he came back and he looked okay like Thomas Graham Jr. was a practice squad player for them. And then he comes in on the Monday night football game against the Vikings and completely shuts down Justin Jefferson. And then we don't see him for the rest of the season. Like the, the, the head coach, Matt Nagy, for all, all the nice guy talk and everything, he left more questions than answers for the future of this roster. So as a GM, are you comfortable with all those question marks?
0: Yeah, it's fair. Um, I will I, I will see what happens with the Vikings. I think they're in a weird spot. Yes. And It's not that well, I'm not giving any love to Cousins, but he is very much an average quarterback to me. He's not that special, and he makes a ton of money implying that he is, and I think if you swapped Carr, for example, for Cousins, you oh, would feel God. so much better about the Vikings because Carr yeah. dragged the Raiders to the playoffs where Cousins couldn't take this Vikings team who had a playoff spot essentially sitting there for the taking, and then and just lose instead and and how many times have we seen cousins just lose games uh in prime time and in big games like the guy just isn't that that kind of guy so he's fine regular season he just makes too much money for my liking and i wouldn't want to hitch my wagon to him if i had other options perfect 500 quarterback Absolutely. You know, I'm Matt Bushnell. I'm going to make a scheduling call on the fly here. We're going to save our regular season awards for Thursday's show because we're running heavy and we got a whole other game we need to talk about. So uh, the, the the fans and those watching live around the audio, you're, just, you're hearing some real life decision making <laughs> happening on the fly. So congratulations. You're breaking the fourth wall here. Uh, and, you know, something you were expected to see today, you're going to see on Thursday instead. So you're going to want to stick around and join us then. So Matt. The playoffs are set. We're ready to rock. Can't wait for that. I can't wait to break it all down with you on Thursday, but the, another season wrapped up last night is the college football playoff national championship game. Uh, and it was in Indianapolis at Lucas oil stadium. It was a rematch of the sec championship game where Alabama crushed Georgia. Um, and we previewed this game and we talked about what we, with our thoughts about Georgia being you know favored in this game. We did not like that necessarily, um, but Georgia, Proved us all wrong. The state of Georgia, congratulations. They got, did the unthinkable and beat Nick Saban, and the former assistant beat Nick Saban in a bowl game. It finally has happened. And Georgia defeated Alabama last night 33 to 18. Uh, and the game, I think, was a little bit closer than the score indicates. There's a late turnover for a touchdown. Uh, that, that interception that got returned with a minute left. Uh, as Alabama was driving was an unbelievable play Uh, how he got all the way back to the house I don't really understand but it was a great play Um, Alabama you know they lost Mitchie in that first Georgia game and in this game Jameson Williams left with a knee injury uh, and eventually it caught up to them because those are two really good wide receivers who are going to play at the next level and they did not have them so uh, Bryce Young kind of left out in an island on his own he went 35-57, 369 yards, a touchdown and two picks. And uh, the guy I did not think was capable of doing it's Tetson Bennett, 17-26, 224 yards, two touchdowns. And had the play of the day, I thought, when uh, Alabama jumped off sides and he threw one up there. So uh, I believe Mitchell for a 40-yard touchdown. That was a huge play and a really smart one uh, by Bennett. So, um, you know, it was weird. I, I, all day I didn't get the vibe that this was, hey, national championship, I'm usually much more excited. But overall, I thought this was a really good game uh, and it really came down
1: to the very end yeah easily the two best teams in the country i i think this left little doubt and the thing that this left me in shock and i'll say this alabama yes they lost their top two wide receivers and they lost their top two cornerbacks that they didn't have their best wide receiver and they didn't have their two top cornerbacks going into this game and then losing williams hurt but my god randy the speed in this game was otherworldly like yeah. if you didn't know any better it was like you're almost watching an nfl game yeah, because what you saw in that Georgia defense, I mean, Davis, that dude, it looks like he's like 6'10, 400 pounds. <laughs> like, you, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be in wrestling or something. <laughs> just a mammoth of a human being for Georgia. And that dude was moving like you just see the speed and the size and everything. I, I, I'll say it right now. I think Georgia, they're going to have at least eight of those players on defense playing the NFL and they they're probably going in the top two rounds I would not be shocked if Georgia has eight players on that defense going the top two rounds because that defense is so damn good the corners were like glue on those wide receivers Uh, the defensive line was able to move the Alabama offensive line the Alabama had really no chance I felt like even I watched the game even with the field goals I'm just like Man, you got to score touchdowns. At some point, you got to be able to score touchdowns. And Alabama was ever was never able to take advantage of those opportunities. So to me, I, I tip my cap to Georgia, man. It, the speed was different. And Bennett was just good good enough to be able to get, you know, his guys the football. I, I wasn't wowed by him as at the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, but he, he did enough. He, he did enough to get the team to win. But really, it was just that Georgia defense. And I really like Cook at the running back position. That guy can fly as well. So,
0: isn't that Dalvin Cook's uh, cousin or something? Yeah, I think it's his
1: cousin or I don't think it's a little brother. I thought it was his little brother, but I think it's his cousin actually. He
0: looks just like him. Yeah, he <laughs> he really, he runs very hard and with the hair and everything, it looks just like him running the ball. So, uh, he'll probably play at the next level. And that's what I kind of realized watching this game. That they're clearly the best the two best teams in the country and there are so many guys playing on Sundays in the future uh, on the field and, um, white being one of them or cook being another one of them. Um, I really Bowers. The tight end is an absolute beast. He's going to play at the next level. Um, And then the guy who sealed it to me, Ringo with the unbelievable pick six. And I could tell how much it meant to Georgia because it had been 41 years since they won a national title. They can't slay the Alabama Nick Saban dragon here. And they finally did. And you could see the emotion on, on Kirby Smart's face and you could see it on Sets in Bennett's face. Like, it, it can't help but to be happy for all of those guys. Yeah. Uh, and, re, and really, you know, Saban, I even said it afterwards that he was proud of, of Kirby because, you know, he, he knows how everything he had been through. And he, I think Saban might have an understanding of just how hard it is to beat him, or at least he probably should realize that. Uh, he shouldn't apologize for it, but at least he knows the, the his status in this in this field that we're talking about here. But uh, even on Alabama's side, Bryce Young is still probably going to be the best quarterback taken next year. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what he does next year, but it's the first Alabama quarterback to ever win the Heisman Brian Robinson uh, looks like a really good running back who's probably going to play at the next level as well Alabama is just like running back you but it's not even fair to say because they're you for everything (laughs) every position they have they play at the next level uh Jamison Williams is going to be a good NFL player uh Mitchie who got hurt in the SEC championship game is going to play in the NFL um, but the best player in the team might be Will Anderson, who is the is an unbelievable defensive end, who kept getting chipped, getting double, triple teamed. He is an absolute stud. It didn't even get to record a sack in this game because he just got so much attention from Georgia that he, you know, they couldn't even really make too many plays. So, uh, man, these two teams are on other levels or otherworldly. SEC just seems to dominate college football over and over again. And I, I was just happy because a lot of times – because the national championship game and the playoff games, a lot of bowl games, honestly, I don't know what the percentage would be, are blowouts. This one was not a blowout. Alabama was driving for a chance to tie. Obviously, Georgia makes that unbelievable pick six, but this was a game to the very end. Georgia scores 20 points in the fourth quarter to win. And Congratulations to the Bulldogs because this was a great game and, and certainly one I enjoyed watching.
1: Yeah, I. You, you take a look at all these teams, and when I took a look at this, the NIL stuff is going to change college football a little bit. And I know Saban was kind of butthurt about it and said, it's going to change who dominates college football. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe the players are going to dominate college football as they should. Um, But this goes back to our Jim Harbaugh point. And if, if you're coaching every other team in the league, you know, in college football, whether you're Lincoln Riley at USC, whether you're, you know, in the big 12, and now Oklahoma and Texas are moving to the SEC, you have to change your evaluation of where these teams rank. Like what is your expectation as an athletic director, as a school, as a booster? Because like I go back to, we saw 20 to 24 NFL players in that game last night. Mm -hmm. And at least 15 to 20 of those guys are going to be day one or day two picks. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't imagine these guys not, I mean, Georgia's entire defense, I expect to go in the first two rounds, um, but it just goes to show uh, the expectations have to change. Uh, and with Deion Sanders able to land all these five and four star recruits, which is awesome. I'm so pumped to see that at the yeah. HBCUs. That is fantastic. I, I think as a college and as a university, you have to reevaluate what success is and are those coaches going to be okay with it? Because for a long time, Randy, for the past twelve years now, everyone's been getting their ass kicked routinely by Nick Saban and Alabama, and it's been okay, you know, whatever. But it's the SEC, and I go back to it. It's time to reevaluate this and figure out what's the best way to go about it. Because college football is just not college football. It's the SEC.
0: Yeah, and we'll see what Lincoln Riley can do out there in USC. Or you got your boy Caleb Williams uh, to yep. transfer out, so. We'll see. Uh, I mean, certainly feels like the SEC just is all of yeah. <laughs> college football at the moment. So um we're going to talk a ton of college football, but I felt like it was worth talking about it. We're going to talk about a lot of these guys and the NFL on our show in the near future. So uh good for them. Great college football season. I thought I really enjoyed watching all the bowl games and uh, I wish some of them were better than they were, but Hey, that's, you know, with COVID and everything really affecting a lot of these things, uh, you take it for what it is. I just enjoy watching uh, football, no matter what. All right, Matt Bushnell. So we're saving our award segment for Thursday Full disclosure. It's going to be the awards. So, you know, hold, hold grab your popcorn. Mm-hmm. We're going to be giving them out uh, the regular season awards on Thursday ahead. And then we're going to preview um. The wild card weekend, the super wild card weekend that extends into Monday Night Football. So, Matt, before we come back Thursday, uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to evaluate ourselves, really determine the true outcomes <laughs> of these games, decide what we're betting on, uh, break down all the really just juicy matchups and all of those games. Uh, but, you know, uh, our show discovers the football aspect of things. We have a whole other sport. We have the NBA in full swing here. Uh, baseball might start talking soon. Who knows? But uh, it's January. So things are kind of exciting in sports. But at the same time for our uh, life group podcasts, it's only busy for a couple of us at the moment, right?
1: Yeah, that is true. And I know Dong City, Vince Mercandetti and Henry Maldonado Jr. make a life group difference right now because, well, reason's not at his own fault. Um, I'll leave it at you that. Yeah, like
0: baseball, get it together.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the, the, i guess the owners and players are meeting on thursday so that's going to be very interesting to see how that goes so you might see a show by vincent henry and i, and I would be fascinated to, as we know the money's the big obstacle but the, the, the other minute issues that i would love to see how baseball can fix and you know uh, one's against the shift one's for the shift i hate the shift get rid of it bring back the left-handed hitter please <laughs> um and then Absolutely, we have the Workshoot Wrestling podcast with Jason Richman and Corey, Cory Richman and Jason Brooks. My apologies, gentlemen. Um, I am not sure when they're gonna be back on. I think they I haven't seen a podcast from them come on in a little bit, but you know, gentlemen, please hurry back. Wrestling is kind of getting towards that WrestleMania season. raw um, rumble
0: right around the corner.
1: Yeah. Oof, boy, time flies, Randy. Time <laughs> flies. And then we have the Total Basis podcast with Felipe Melisio and Austin Sparrow talking about fantasy baseball and some baseball news in general. Check them out on Sunday mornings. Um, so good baseball podcast. And then we got the Step Back podcast with Jacob Anthony Moses and Leon Tompkins and Basketball Life. Um, I, I know both of them were really heartbroken by the Bulls' loss to the Mavericks the other night.
0: That
1: was You know, you you get a mojo going. Everyone loves win streaks. They were on a nine game win streak and it got broken. And especially Jacob, you know, because I heard Randy through the grapevine that Jacob has switched his allegiance from the New York Knicks to the Chicago Bulls. Ooh, looking to confirm the story, but there's some rumors floating out. So, so, you know, just got to double check with Jacob on that, you know, Uh, and you know what it's, he finally accepted that Michael Jordan is the goat, the best of all time. Now he loves him, so we're happy for you, Jacob. Actually, <laughs> I'm
0: just what a gonna... turn of events.
1: Yes, <laughs> we should have Jacob on to discuss this turn, this turn of behaviors that he has experienced. <laughs> but anyway, that's all we have, Randy.
0: All right. Well, look, we all uh, very committed to these things, and hopefully, you guys enjoy all the content we're pushing out for you guys. And really, the groups have been uh really all I come on facebook for these days so i feel like uh hopefully other people are feeling that same way to really develop a community of people who like to just chat about you know whether whatever sport or pop culture and whatever i mean that's what these groups are for just to chat about what's going on so we greatly appreciate everyone uh being a part of them being a part of this so whoever watched us live on facebook we greatly appreciate all the interaction and, and watching us we greatly appreciate your support and whoever watched us on the youtube only uh, show or didn't want to watch look at our faces which i totally understand that too and wanted to just listen to us on the audio only platforms uh we appreciate that so wherever you may be however you may be listening to us thank you for making us just a small part of your day and we hope you do it again on thursday where we're going to be previewing uh super wild card weekend matt bushnell any parting words for the audience you
1: know gentlemen and ladies We always give you great information, but like Randy said, this show would not be what it is without you. So I just want to say thank you for a great regular season. It's been a blast, and I look forward to many, many more.
0: Amen, brother. All right, on behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond. and stay warm. We'll see you guys back here on Thursday.